Please join me in a prayer for God to illuminate our hearts and our minds with his scriptures. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this chance to hear your word read and proclaimed. Open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, to hear your word for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to God's word for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Listen again to God's word for us. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what Jesus was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me again in prayer. Gracious Lord, the preaching of your word, with the blessing of your spirit, grant that insofar as it is true to your everlasting goodness, it shall be undergirded by your power and by your love. Grant that insofar as it is false, it shall be swiftly forgotten and do no harm. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In our passage this morning, Jesus was traveling with his disciples toward Jerusalem when a woman named Martha hospitably opened up her home for them to rest and eat in. And we can pretty reasonably and safely assume that this is the same Martha recounted in the Gospel of John, the sister, along with Mary, of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Martha and Mary are both women of faith, and trust in Jesus. When Jesus came to Martha and Mary four days after Lazarus had died, Martha, in particular, marched right up to Jesus to lay down the affirmation, the petition, the almost accusation 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And when Jesus responded to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. While one could read our passage today as a criticism of Martha, as somebody who doesn't get it, I think it's important to remember that Martha was committed to and believed in Jesus. And the problem, it seems, in the moment that we read about today in this passage from Luke, is not that Martha was clueless or lacking in faith, but that she was overlooking that fundamental practice, that one essential thing to growing in love with God. Taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus. That one powerful thing that Martha and Mary had the chance to literally do that day, and that we have the chance to metaphorically do every day, to sit at the feet of our Creator and our Redeemer. When we regularly take time to do this one thing, this one essential thing, necessary thing, foundational thing, it puts and it keeps everything else in perspective. Because even as there is, of course, a key role for the kind of work and service that Martha was doing and that we are each called to do, that work and that service is most powerful when it's done and held in the prayerful perspective that can only come through time spent intentionally paying attention to God, being intentionally present with God, just as one would with a loving parent or a friend or a sibling. That one thing is necessary to give greater and abiding, to give a greater and abiding sense of peace and purpose, patience and compassion for all that work and that service, that everyday busyness of life, that we are each called to go and do. And while times of service and prayer, work and worship, action and rest, they're all intimately connected, worship, prayer, intentionally leaning, listening to and talking to and with God, taking time to build our relationship with God, that one thing, that's the one thing that properly frames and holds together all those other things and keeps them in the grand perspective of God's creative, God's creative grace and God's saving grace for us. But as we know in our passage this morning, in this moment, Martha was overlooking that fact, that reality, that one thing. She had invited Jesus and presumably the disciples to stay and dine with her in her home, and she was busy preparing and caring for them. Was she making some unnecessarily elaborate feast, or was it just the basics? We don't really know. The text doesn't really tell us. But either way, Martha was stressed. And she was frustrated that instead of helping her out, her sister Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus along with the disciples listening to Jesus teach. Mary was entranced. 
and Martha was about to lose it until she marched right up to Jesus, just as she did when he arrived after Lazarus' death. Really similar dynamic. Martha marched right up to Jesus and told him what she thought about the situation. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. I imagine we've all felt that anxiety of wanting to get something to go just right and feeling like we're the only ones, the one alone working hard to make sure that everything goes just right. I think that kind of anxiety often comes from one of two places, either from a concern about what other people will think of you, uh, that you aren't going to measure up to other people's expectations, or a concern about what you think of yourself that you won't measure up to your own expectations that you set for yourself. So maybe Martha was anxiously thinking, if this meal is no good or it takes too long to prepare or whatever, Jesus and the disciples and whoever else finds out is going to think I am the worst hostess in the world. Or maybe Martha was anxiously worried of just falling short of some ideal standard of hospitality, of being the hospitable hostess that she expected of herself. And it appears whatever was precisely driving her worry, her anxiety, that sprinkled on top of it was also uh, that classic sibling sentiment of why am I doing all this work when my sibling gets to just sit there loafing around. Of course, Mary wasn't just sitting there. She was listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, soaking in Jesus' words and presence basking in Jesus' words and presence. And Jesus' response to Martha's complaint was to note her worry, Martha's worry, her anxiety, her anxiousness, her distractedness amidst many things, when really only one thing was needed in that moment, which was to spend time with God, to listen to God, to rest in God's presence. Now, I think there's a lot in this moment with Martha and Mary and Jesus and the disciples that was situational. When Jesus is literally in your house, it makes sense to pause, to stop, and to listen to him, to simply be with him, even if and as there is work to be done to be hospitable and caring and kind and generous as a host. But the broader point here is that We all need to take time in our days to simply put other things down and pay undivided attention to God. And those times of pausing and paying undivided attention to God, not multitasking, not doing something else distractedly, but focused in attention, zeroed in on God. Those are the kinds of times that can still and calm anxiety, that can clarify one's purpose, that can give sustenance, energy, and focus for the work, the activities, the service, that is also, of course, a part of a life of loving God and neighbor. So sisters and brothers, how can we sit at the feet of Jesus today given that Jesus is not spending time in our living rooms in the flesh. 
What are the ways that we can intentionally carve out time to grow in relationship with God, to do this one necessary thing of paying attention to God? There are four ways I'm going to talk about this morning and four ways that I encourage each of us to do and embrace in our everyday lives as wholeheartedly as Mary sat at Jesus' feet. The first is reading scripture, reading the Bible, taking time each day, whether it's five minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, to just read scripture is an invaluable and crucial way to spend time with God. And this is, in some respects, a no-brainer, but also something that is all too easy to let slip out of our daily routine. Life is busy. Life is hectic. There are lots of tasks and people calling on our time. And it's easy to turn around and realize that it's bedtime. You're exhausted, and you haven't cracked open the Bible at all that day. But, uh, and it will, beyond that as well, in addition to the difficulty and the ease with which we can miss that practice in everyday life, if one has never established a practice of regularly reading the Bible, it can also even be a hard one to begin. And I want to say that if that is the case, uh, I'd simply say start reading a gospel, any gospel, and keep reading it a little bit each day. Scripture, as we know, is the inspired record of people's encounters with the living God, and the Gospels center on people's encounter with God enfleshed in Jesus Christ, the visible image of our invisible God. And it's hard to find a better starting point and a better entry point than that to a practice of daily reading Scripture. It's key to note on this front as well, though, that whether you're reading Scripture for the first time or you read it all the time, Reading scripture will raise questions for you, things you wonder about, you don't understand, or you find confusing, or even off-putting. And of course, we know that people debate fiercely over biblical interpretation, but don't let any of this stop you from simply delving into time and conversation with God in and through and around scripture. There will be times when you're not sure what to make of a passage, and that's okay. You can talk about it. You can read up on it. You can ask questions. It's good. It's okay to have questions. And it's honestly the only way that scripture will sink in is to ask and follow up on the questions that you have with other people and with God as you read scripture. On this front as well of reading scripture deeply and closely, I also want to share that I think one powerful way that you can go about reading scripture is finding uh, opportunities and activities you can do that force you to read it really slowly, to really chew on a passage in direct conversation with God. And there are a couple of ways I found that work pretty well on this front to slow you down in reading scripture that lets you really sit at Jesus' feet, really pay attention to God's word to you in scripture. And one of those ways is to read scripture in another language. Ideally, a language in which you're not fluent, but can read well enough with a dictionary. Reading the Bible in another language forces you 
to read it slowly, carefully, because you've often got to look up what a word even means. And it can be incredibly powerful and surprising what details will stand out to you when you read scripture this way. Because you you can't just glance over things, you can't just blow past things, read them quickly. And details that you might have otherwise just flown right by, reading in your normal speed in English, they suddenly leap out at you when you're reading God's word in another language. Now, I will note as well, if you don't necessarily know another language uh, in that way, you can also accomplish a similar thing by simply reading a lot of different English translations of the same passage. Another trick for slowing yourself down in reading scripture, sitting at Jesus' feet, paying attention to God through reading scripture, is to memorize scripture passages. I'm not sure who said it first, but it is certainly true that the Bible that is truly yours, the Bible that is truly yours, is not the one in your hand, but it's the one on your heart and in your head. And on that front, one of my favorite tricks to read scripture slowly, to work on memorizing passages, is to take a few verses, read them a few times, and then close the Bible and try to write down the passage as best I can from memory. I have inflicted this on some of y'all in Sunday school classes in the past. (laughs) Uh, Once you do this, once you've written down your best shot of what the passage says, then you can go back and see how you did, noting especially what you missed, what was different from what you wrote down, as well as what stuck in your head. This is actually a fun activity, believe it or not. Don't knock it till you try it. Um, And it highlights details of a passage that you might otherwise just breeze right past without noticing. Uh, And it helps you as well on your way to memorizing scripture verses. Now, again, we can read scripture. You can do it for five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, hours a day, whatever it is. The key thing is reading it regularly, daily, spending that time at Jesus' feet, intentionally being with God, reading through scripture, chewing on it, asking questions about it. That is one way in which we can do the one thing that is necessary, that one thing of paying attention to God, sitting at Jesus' feet. A second way to sit at Jesus' feet is to pay and to pay attention to God is to look at God's word at work in creation. As Genesis proclaims, creation itself is God's word. God said, let there be lights, and there was light. God spoke and speaks creation into existence. And if we want to get a little bit poetic, a little bit musical about this reality, we could even think about creation as a song that God is constantly singing to us, a song of love, the infinite love from which and for which each one of us was created. We can pay attention to God, our creator, and our savior by slowing down to pay attention to the tunes, the rhythms, the harmonies of this song of creation. And he can do so by paying attention to literally any aspect of creation whether animate or inanimate, whether it's the architecture of the world is fashioned by God or part of the image-bearing architecture of anything the people have built. In all of these things, we can get a sense of God's presence and goodness. We can hear the song God is constantly singing, 
saying to us if we simply slow down and pay attention. As John Ames, uh, the main character in Marilyn Robinson's novel Gilead, notes in a letter to his son, quote, wherever you turn your eyes, wherever you turn your eyes, the world can shine like transfiguration. You don't have to bring a thing to it except a little willingness to see. This character, John Ames, writes as well of the, quote, sacred beauty of creation that bears witness to the divine love that simultaneously embraces and exceeds and extends beyond this world. A place that always catches me on this, in this way uh, is standing kind of halfway down the Nickel Bridge looking out on the James River, particularly if you look west and you see that train bridge, that beautiful arcing train bridge that goes over and amidst the James. This view always affords an awesome juxtaposition of God's architecture, that rushing river, the green trees, the blue sky, and the image-bearing human architecture of that exquisite bridge. But we can take time to pay attention to God, to get that awareness of God's goodness and presence by simply pausing and attending carefully to the details of anything in creation. You don't have to go to the Nickel Bridge, though I recommend it. Whether that thing is outdoors or it's indoors, whether it's large or it's small, you'd be amazed at all the small details, the intricacies, the beauty that will suddenly rise to your attention if you just pay and give a close look. And when you do, that's the kind of thing that you can talk to God about. Say, God, that is amazing. This is beautiful. This is so intricate. I've never noticed that before, Lord. Or if it's something that people have made, you can say, God, I can see how this human creation images your creativity. I can see how this thing, this book, this table, this chair, this computer, if used rightly, can be an instrument of your care and love in this world. So we can pay attention to God. We can sit at Jesus' feet by reading scripture. We can pay attention to God. We can sit at Jesus' feet by looking around at any aspect of creation. We can also, in a third way, sit at Jesus' feet and pay attention to God through simple, silent prayer. Arguably, reading scripture uh, and looking at God's work and creation, those are all still prayerful activities. But this third way is really just sitting silently and attending to the presence of God around you. If you're anything like me, this third way, this kind of silent, contemplative prayer, it can prove at once to be the most powerful and the most frustrating way to try to pay attention to God, to listen to God. Because sometimes, all of the sudden, when you're in quiet, contemplative prayer, you'll feel just a flood of emotion. It could be peace, it could be joy, it could be invigoration, it could be conviction. Or you will have suddenly this warm memory or some clarifying insight leap to your mind that you know it's just got to be God-sent Or you'll have some restful, fulfilling sense of purpose and delight, or even a sense of conviction and an awareness of sins that you have committed or harms that you have done 
repentance and confession and amends that you need to make. But while that happens some of the time, (laughs) other times in contemplative prayer, you don't feel anything. You don't hear anything. Your mind just hops from random thought to random thought. To-do lists pop up in your head relentlessly. And for me, at least, most times, this third way of sitting at Jesus' feet, of paying attention to God, this third way of silent contemplative prayer, of just trying to sit there and listen. It's a combination of those two things. Sometimes I really feel like I hear something in the Spirit moving in me, and other times I don't. And that's all just to say that this form of simply sitting quietly in silent prayer, it's something that takes patient repetition and an openness to the fact that some days it will flow powerfully, and other days it just won't. And many, if not most days, it'll be somewhere in the middle. And that's okay. So we've discussed so far three ways of doing the one thing, sitting at Jesus' feet, paying attention to God. Reading scripture, paying attention to God's work and creation, silent contemplative prayer. The fourth way is what we're doing right this red-hot second. Worship. Every worship service is dedicated to spending time paying attention to God, and every worship service is literally just a variation on the theme that God is our creator and our redeemer, revealed most fully in Christ Jesus, our crucified, risen Messiah. The call to worship, the confession, the prayers, the hymns and anthems, the scripture readings, the sermon, the affirmation of faith, the offering, the benediction, all of these, every Sunday, They're ways of reminding ourselves of the reality of God's goodness, God's creative grace, God's saving grace, of basking in intentional focus on the light of God's presence in our lives. And at their best and most effective, these four ways of doing the one thing, of sitting at Jesus' feet, of paying attention to God, studying scripture, attending to creation, contemplative prayer, worship, These are all things, when we take time to do them regularly, routinely, they are things that shape and train and habituate us to see God at work in our lives throughout everything that we do, throughout the whole entire week. At their best, these practices of sitting at Jesus' feet, of paying attention to God, of growing in relationship with God, These are things that make us ever more loving, kind, and generous, peaceful, faithful, patient, repentant, forgiving, and humble as we go about our everyday lives, as we go about all that work and those tasks that we are called to do. In closing, I just want to note that time with God, all the ways we've been talking about how we can spend time with God, do that one necessary thing. These are all as important to our flourishing as something like eating. Taking time to pay attention to God uh, is something that's crucial to your well-being as eating every single day. It's nourishing to take that time to sit at Jesus' feet. Because spending that time with God is what helps us to keep everything in perspective 
of the fact that we are part of God's good creation, crafted in the divine image to be creative and loving and faithful, that we are saved in Christ so that we can live and grow into that life abundant here and now. Even as we await the resurrection to come, God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Spending time with God, reading scripture, appreciating creation, sitting silently in prayer, joining together in worship, they all help us, guide us, habituate us, train us to never forget and to feel in our bones the reality that God loves us so much that we are of such infinite value in God's eyes that God not only crafted each one of us as part of a good creation in the divine image, but came incarnate as Christ to bear the cross on our behalf, to bear the forsakenness of sin and death for our sake so that we could live abundantly in God's image, so that we could live lives of creative, constructive work, so that we could live lives of love and kindness with our neighbors and lives of commitment and faith and trust in God. When we take time to read scripture, to appreciate creation, to go to God in contemplative silent prayer, to join together in worship. This reality of God's love for us infuses us, guides us, nourishes us as critically as any piece of bread so that we can taste and see and share and proclaim God's creative, redeeming goodness in and for this world. So sisters and brothers, let's be sure to make it a regular habit of our everyday life to do that one thing, to sit at Jesus' feet, to pay attention to God, to grow in relationship with God. And if you ever feel like you're having trouble doing that, please shout out. Don't hesitate one minute to tell Reverend Joanna or Reverend Calvin, tell me, tell Chris, tell a session member, tell a deacon, we are all in this together and we are all here to help one another grow in love with God, our creator and our redeemer as revealed in Jesus Christ and to grow in love with our neighbors as ourselves. To God be the glory, brothers and sisters, forever and ever. Amen.